And welcome in. It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. If you didn't just hear, mbr.org <laughs> as well. Uh, Aaron Morris alongside Coach Dave Wing filling in today for Matty B on the B-List Daily. Hope you're having a good one out there. Um, it is the first day of summer, I think, technically. Or was that yesterday, yesterday Coach? Yesterday, I believe. Coach, you guys speaking to the microphone. We're not going to be able to. <laughs> That'll be good. I've yeah. only been doing this. I've only been doing this since September. Now, come on. It might be a good idea to speak to the yeah, microphone. Yeah, I was just talking to myself. Was oh, yesterday yeah. the first day of summer, June 20th? No, it is. Today, okay. 21st. Okay, today. It's summer solstice, longest summer day solstice. of the year. So they're having the uh, midnight sun game tonight up there in Alaska where they start at 10 nice. o'clock at night and never use uh, artificial lights. And the NBA draft tonight. Could Boston be exciting. Celtics of the 27th pick. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll also <laughs> talk about how um, uh, we we'll also have an interview with the new uh, head football coach over at Bates College. Exciting. And Lewis and Malik Hall coming to the Bobcats from Penn, where he helped them win a couple of Ivy League titles as an assistant coach there. It's his first head coaching gig, so obviously he's uh, very excited. We will also have Seth Everett um, calling in to talk some Major League Baseball at 1030. So, we want to know how those Mariners are doing it. Well, not yesterday. Without uh, uh, yesterday was very bad uh, for the Mariners against the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton finally had his Yankees moment, according to MLB.com, hitting a walk-off home run as the Yankees rallied from a five-nothing deficit to prevail over the Mariners and take the first two games yeah. of that three-game <clears throat> series. You know, it's funny they've got the big boppers now, of course. They strike out a lot, and a lot of nights they're pretty cool, you know, nothing going on, and they've got a lot of guys around them. The problem that the Red Sox have had, they, they started, as you know, with a bang. Yes. All of a sudden, every team goes through this where people aren't hitting. And the Red Sox have been a week now that they haven't hit at all, and only good pitching got uh, a split in Seattle, or they lose that whole series. They they didn't hit at all, really, one game. and. Yeah. uh the Mookie, one game they hit well, they lost. Yeah, Mookie Betts hasn't hasn't hit since he came back from being hurt. So, Red Sox have dropped two in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still forty nine and twenty six. It's the uh, third best record in the American League. They're two games back of the Yankees for first place in the American League East. Obviously, those two teams. The Yankees have the best record in baseball after yet another win yesterday. They've won three in a row, seven in the last ten. They are forty nine and twenty two. They they have. Very little pitching, but it hasn't made any difference. They got, I take it back. They got pretty good relief pitching. They don't have great starting pitching, and uh, although you know the three guys that they've got have held up pretty well, and then they've kind of pieced it together. So, Maddie has been uh, just all over me saying, "Boy, you guys are going to love that one game, uh, one game wild card playoff." I said, "Geez, That's- thank you, thank you very much." And he says, "It may be Seattle. It might be. And you'll get Paxton." Congratulations! It, it might be the <laughs> Thank you. yeah, because right now the, the, the it would if you, if the season ended today, it's only June twenty one. But it's so weird. But there's so much separation in the American League, right? You have Boston's in first place in the wild card. They're two and a half games ahead of the Mariners, who are in second place in the wild card. So those two teams would make the playoffs. The next closest team, the Angels, are seven games back of the Mariners in you know, the wild really, card. We, we've been talking about this a lot. You know, they showed after Houston had won eleven in a row. I think they lost and they won again. Yes, right? <laughs> but they, <laughs> they finally lost. But it said uh, it showed their their the teams that they played between when they were cupcakes eleven and zero. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
as as Shaughnessy likes to say, tomato cans. You know, they were <laughs> horrible. It was the White Sox, Tampa Bay, Toronto. I mean, they were. It was like they they could go on a twenty game winning streak. Well, they didn't, but they could have. It's amazing. You know the. There's just so many have-nots in Major League Baseball right now. Right, exactly. There's huge separation. Really, the only candidates for that second wildcard spot are the Mariners. I mean, the Angels and the the A's are, are seven and eight games back, respectively, of the Mariners. The Mariners swept the Angels recently. But the Mariners have, have now dropped three in a row. They have won six of their last ten. The Angels have lost seven of their last ten games. Unless, unless the Angels uh, make a, a decent trade. I don't see them going. Well, they got to get healthy. They have yeah. like 15 players on the disabled yeah, list have or something. Lot. They yeah. have Mike Trout, of course, the best player in baseball. Sure. But Boy. Uh, beyond him, it's it's not looking great for them. And the Mariners are three games back at the Astros. Um, they no, were when, at one point in first place, but obviously the Astros went on fire. When did they get Cano back? In August. In August. Early okay. to mid-August. So they get another month. And then Cano can help them get to the playoffs. Yeah. However, he cannot Can't be in the playoffs. In That's the playoffs. Interesting. Yeah. The Astros now have the second best record in baseball at 50 and 26, a half game ahead of the Red Sox for that honor. But yeah, I, it is unfortunate with the way the system's set up, coach, is that whoever does not win the AL East has to play a one game playoff. No matter if they, even if they have the second best record in the whole league, oh, yeah, they still have yeah. to. Yeah, he, Manny's been ragging on that because originally <laughs> the Yankees weren't really getting it together. Nobody'd really hit yet. And it looked like the Red Sox were going to run away. And he said, oh, my God, we're going to be in a playoff. It'll be, at that time, he thought it was going to be California. Right. We'll probably see a Tani or somebody, and we, we'll be out, you know. Now he's singing a little different tune, but uh, but it's the same for the Red Sox. And I'll tell you, unless they get uh, a better bullpen mm. and consistent hitting, you know, they, they really need they, – they, they won't go anywhere if Betts doesn't hit. Right. It's, it's as simple as that. You hate to bring it down to that, but almost, since then, almost everybody else has hit. Ben Intendi's been really hot. Uh, they've got no complaint with Martinez. The catcher's still on hitting. Devers has been inconsistent, but and I don't know what they're going to do at second base. Uh, Nunez uh, is a decent hitter, but he's horrible in the field, and it doesn't look like uh, Pedroia. I don't know. They're not even talking about him coming back, let alone when he's coming back. So I don't know what's up with that. But when Betts goes 0 for 4. They, they, I don't know what the stat is. I'm sure somebody's got it, but <laughs> they, they don't get any runs. They, right. they just don't. He needs to be hot, and it just jacks the whole team up, I think. And uh, boy, he just hasn't. He had one home run since he came back, but really, he's had no three game, three hits in one game. In any of those, he's had a hit here and there. That's it. I bet since he's been back, he's hitting 200. Boston playing Minnesota today at Minnesota. They lost two. And yeah. all to Minnesota. At 110, so coming up early afternoon. We got a, a number of day games today. Uh, they like to do that sometimes in the middle of the week here on Thursday. The Mariners got to, Getaway day. Got to try to salvage that final game with the Yankees. They were up 5 nothing yesterday, and the Yankees rallied to win. Uh, Paxton going today 105 against the Yankees' ace, uh, Severino. So that should be a great matchup. That's going to yeah, be fun. That will be. You know, when, just before the Red Sox went into Seattle. Maddie said, well, you know, we'll find out, you know, what Seattle's got because they got the Red Sox and the Yankees. And I'm thinking, wow, they're going to have both those guys at home. That's and the great. Red Sox then, again. And then, yeah. yeah. And then I look, I go, oh, Maddie, you, you neglected to tell me Seattle's coming to New York. That's a little different when you've got to oh, come all the way right. across the country. I don't care. The first game of that series, chuck it up because right. 
jet lag and change in time. It's three hours ahead. It's a nightmare. We they notice it a lot in football. Yeah, those teams that have to go coast to coast to play one game and then come home, it's miserable. And yesterday, Felix actually did okay. Only one run over five innings, but the problem was his pitch count was high. Are so they, they gonna they take him out? They gonna sign King Felix? Well, he's already right. he's he's not a free agent. I mean, oh, he isn't. Oh, I he, thought he, he was. He's a Mariner for years to come. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he and was. Part of the problem so... is he's not the same anymore. No, but he's not. His his last two outings, even though they've lost both games in the end, have been encouraging. He pitched well against the Red Sox, and uh, even though they lost that game, and then he pitched well yesterday, even though his pitch count got high against the Yankees. They could have used him going a little further, obviously, because the bullpen blew it, which has been not a common occurrence. The Mariners' bullpen has been pretty solid typically this year, but Gary Sanchez. Uh, he's been hitting pretty low for batting average, but he's still got power, tied the game in the eighth, and Stanton, who's been like, everyone's booing Stanton all the time, he's still a stud, and he won the game. <laughs> Maddie's new uh, moniker online is uh, Sanchez and the number four, DeGrum. He wants him to trade Sanchez. He He's not a very good defensive catcher. He thinks the Mets the, will take the Sanchez Mets, straight up for DeGrom? The Mets really need a catcher. Well, I'm oh. sure they'll give him something else, too. <laughs> but because uh, he thinks they need starting pitching when they what, like they do, right? You know, going back to Felix, uh, you know, a lot of those really really good pitches when they're young, I mean, they go one of two ways: either they flame out because they got nothing but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it by you, or they do the CC Sabathia route where they they become pretty wily. You know, yeah, they're, they're nipping and tucking and touching the corners and. A little change up and exactly, and uh, I I just had this feeling that's the pitcher he's going to become. He, he has to become that yeah, pitcher. He yeah. has to become CC Sabathia. That's a perfect comparison because when Sabathia was young, I remember back in the you know mid two thousand two thousand seven. Yeah, out. with Cleveland, he was dominant pitcher, um, and he was dominant for a little bit with the Yankees as well. Um, he had that stint with the Brewers, I believe, also. But um, he, obviously, he hit a wall at some point with his dominant stuff, but he's learned how to really pitch yeah. and he's, it's it's given him new life and he's been a very solid pitcher and I think that's what Felix can do now he's still young 30s he still can potentially go five six seven more years if he learns that if he realizes and and comes to accept that his stuff is not what it used to be and and we're starting to see that a little bit his last two outings uh, he's done a pretty good job as unfortunately the Mariners have lost both those games but that not because of him he was in line for the win uh both times I believe there so so it goes. Um, American League, I mean, the it's intriguing who's going to win the East, certainly. It's intriguing if the Mariners can keep this up in the West. I think they will. But besides that, there's not a ton of intrigue because all the other teams are awful, basically. <laughs> well, the Central, I mean, Cleveland's yeah. above 500, but they weren't. Right. They were, they were right at 500, right. and they were it. Yeah, they've the, won four in a row now. The, but The Central is just horrible. Yeah. And Cleveland, I don't know what's up. Their, their pitching hasn't come around yet, and... You know, last year, Encarnacion hit well, and what? They just haven't had the hitting either. I don't. It's interesting. They, they'll come on. I mean, I, I think when you, you're used to being on top. I think you, you get this mentality that it's 162 game. Let's not panic. You know, right. come mid midsummer when it's warm, whatever. We'll put a little streak on, and you know, with the, everybody else being horrible, you win eight out of ten. You're going to start to distance yourself. It's funny, yeah. The Indians are five games up on the Tigers. The Mariners would be ten and a half games ahead of the Tigers yeah. if they were in that division. Can you believe that? <laughs> but right ten now, and a half they're games. not in that division already. So. <laughs> June, June twenty-one. Yeah, the Tigers are mediocre. Thank uh, you the very Twins, much. Even though they they beat Boston a couple of times, are mediocre. And the White Sox and the Royals are just putrid this season. 
You look at the East, there's a huge drop-off. Obviously, Toronto is five games under. Tampa Bay, despite their little... What do you think of that Tampa Bay strategy they've been doing where they start a reliever for like one or two innings and then bring in the quote-unquote starting pitcher? I don't remember whether it was Seth Everett that uh, Matty asked or one of the guys that calls in, one of the experts, so-called, yeah. <laughs> said, come on, they can't do it. And he goes, you know what? They're not going anywhere. Why not. not try that? Yeah. Why not try something totally unique? You know what? I think people would say it's worked better than anybody thought it would. They I mean, beat, yeah. they beat the Yankees with that. You know what happens? You only see the guy once, and then there's a new pitcher. Yep. It's like it's like in the late innings when when Kansas City used to bring a different guy in every inning. You you know, nobody get timed up, and I I, I that's what his philosophy was. Uh, that you know you see him once, and then it's a totally different guy. It's a left-hander. He's a junk ball. They're all different. And I, I think you can only afford to do that if you're. 34 and 40. You know, like oh, yeah. if you were no, you no. if you're in the middle of the pennant you, race, no way you do that. the manager would get run out of town. No, no <laughs> way you do that. But his problem is he's got nobody that they can bring up. Yeah. This is what he's got. And he said, Well, I got extra relievers. I'm going for it. You know, they've always been good at pitching. Yeah. They, even when they couldn't hit a lick other than Longoria, they've always had pitching. And, uh, I don't know what they do in the minor leagues or if they just draft pitchers or what, but they they have always been pitching rich. The National League is a lot more intriguing in terms of yes. some of the races in general. None of the teams are as good record-wise as the Mariners, Astros, Yankees, or Red Sox. No. But, I mean, I, I imagine the Cubs will finish the year. They're hot. Yeah. LA's, hot right now. LA's been hot on a firecracker, yeah. finally. The Dodgers are, are finally figuring out. They I, lost two in a row. I can't figure they, out Washington. They're in it. They seem to have some talent, but. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Harper, he wants this big contract next year. He's sitting, this month he's hitting 100-something. He Bryce, can't hit at all. Yeah, Bryce Harper, is, he's running into some bad luck. He's still hitting the ball hard, but I don't know. Uh, sometimes I think he tries to hit the home run too much, but Cubs have the best record of the NL, 42-29, and 29, but they're basically tied with the Brewers, who are 43-30 and 30 in the Central. You look at the Braves. What a surprise the Braves, oh, the have, Braves been have been this year. Oh, the Braves have been incredible, hasn't they? Young kids. 43 and 30. They're three and a half up on both the Nationals and the Phillies. And then the Diamondbacks, after a really rough May, have bounced back a little bit in June. 40 and 33. They're, they're two games up on the Dodgers, who obviously had a rough April and then bounced back. I, I like Arizona's manager. I, I think he a good young manager. He was with the Red Sox before. And, yeah. uh They got a bunch of Red Sox guys in that front he, office. Yeah, he's done. That's right. He's done a heck of a job there. So the National League, every division's up for grabs right now. Whereas in the American League, there's, I, there's, I really, I really am intrigued by Atlanta. There's not anybody that thought Atlanta would be any good, right? And they got those two young kids. Uh, is it Soto? What's the young kid's name? Well, Soto's on the National. No, no, Soto. That's right. Soto's and he's on the National. Great. He's 19 years old. Uh, but they've got a couple young kids. One that begins with A. I can't. Yeah, Alves. <laughs> Let me. Something I'll like pull up the roster here. Um, um, yeah, it, really young players who we hadn't heard about before. Um, Ozzy, Ozzy Albies. Yeah, Albies. There you go. And um, well, they have a bunch of other guys who are um, who can who can flat and, out play. And then uh, I think one guy's in the DL right the now. The guy, the right fielder that they got from the Orioles that everybody figured, well, he's done. He, he oh, Marcakis. Yeah, he has been fantastic. He's That's been right. The, he's been the big guy in the clubhouse, and he's been a leader. And uh, that I, that seems to be a fun, I, 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 that's a team I'm going to pull for. I think they're a fun team. Uh, they got they don't have a great big payroll. Uh, they're fun. I, None of their pitchers are like household names oh, geez, no. at all. No, like 
Like, it's crazy how like, um, Julio Tehran was a big prospect at one point. There's no Maddox and Smoltz on that group. No, right, exactly. Although there may be it someday. <laughs> there may be, right. So, yeah, the Braves are kind of a team that's come out of nowhere this year. They're probably one of the bigger surprises in all of baseball uh, this And you season. know the Cubs will keep coming. They... Oh yeah, you know they started really slow, but they're you know, relax, forty-two everybody. and twenty. Relax. Yeah, they're doing just. Did fine. you see what? Speak of the Cubs, crazy Madden. Did you see what he did the other day? No. He he brought a he went out to the mound, and he motioned. And let's see how did he do this. He he brought a pitcher in out of the bullpen. He sent the pitcher, who had been on the mound, to right field. Oh. Took the right fielder off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy pitched one batter. Then he brought the pitcher back from right field to put the pitcher that he just brought in out. In, I mean, he did that a couple, three times. It's like, what is this, high school? You got one good pitcher, so you bring him in just to pitch to the good hitters? What the heck is going on? Anyway, people laughed at it. He's Sometimes I don't I, – I think that they shouldn't have won the World Series that they did against Cleveland. I oh. think he overused uh, the big closer. Chapman? Yeah, I mean, horribly. And – and he still won in spite of himself. I just he was too tense. <laughs> now the rest of the time, the dressing up for away trips and whatever. I mean, it's a long season. You better have some fun. Right. <laughs> I loved some of those. You know, dress up as your favorite hero or some. I mean, those are great. Yeah, and they're or in your a high school letter jacket or some ridiculous thing. Right, you know? right. They're in a tight battle with the Brewers right now. The Brewers, another surprise team. No one expected them to be doing what they're doing. And the question is, can they maintain it? And you know. It's a bigger question for the surprise National League team simply because the wild card's more wide open. And the American yeah. League, I mean, unless the Mariners collapse, the Mariners can basically play 500 ball the rest of the way and secure a wild card spot. But now, there's been talk um, in the baseball meetings that they're really pushing for the DH to be in both leagues. What yes, they are. They are pushing that. Um, there's also been talk about expansion. I've been talking about putting a team in Portland, Oregon. Not Portland, Maine, folks. Portland, Oregon. <laughs> There's been talk of putting a team in Charlotte or maybe maybe Vegas, but probably not. Um, but so because you have to put two more teams, right? You got you to make it even, and you would basically eliminate leagues at that point in the traditional sense. Because right now we have one interleague game each single day, but like leagues are kind of becoming more and more obsolete. And you eliminate the DH, then you eliminate the only difference between the two leagues in terms of rules, right? Yeah. That's the only w- it, way. It that- used to be different the way the umpires umpired also. You remember the way back, American League stood right directly behind the catcher. And so they were good on the corners, but they were horrible with the low ball. And then <laughs> the National League did what the, everybody does now. They split between the catcher and the hitter. And they were good on high and low, but, you know, outside corner was a guess a little bit. Yeah. So, they used to be uh, very distinct, but ever oh, since distinct, inter- no question. And and the umpires, obviously, there were American League umpires, there were National League umpires. You never had oh, one no. upping the other. Oh no way! Yeah. And the presidents were very powerful of each league. I'm not even sure the leagues have presidents anymore. They might, but the presidents were very powerful uh, back in the day. And now, again, the only difference at this point, everyone plays everybody. You know, the interleague rotates, but everyone plays everybody at some point throughout the years. And the DH is the it's the only thing left. And I, I think I think. Um, I think it would be good to have the DH um, uh, universal because I think it gets another guy a job. To be honest, it does. It lets aging play because nowadays there's a big bias, and maybe it's justified against players who are over thirty, right? Because they're on their decline. They're old at this point <laughs> in baseball terms, and I think if you have a DH, that allows some of these veterans to stick around sure. for a That's longer right. time. And I think it allows. 
Like like one of the things that, and not everybody does it that way. For a long time, the Yankees the Yankees had never really had a full time DH. They said, okay, today second baseman, you're you're going to be the DH. Rest your legs a little right. bit, and we'll put somebody in. You know, they've done it that way, which is a decent strategy. The Red Sox are the only one that really had a, a that big name full time DH, and they paid him a lot of money. Mr. I mean, Ortiz. a lot of money is sixteen million dollars for Ortiz. <laughs> Everybody else is paying their DH five million. Yeah, but the Mariners have made use of the DH pretty well historically as well with Nelson with um, Edgar Martinez and now Nelson Cruz. You course. know, but that's the that's the thing with Cruz or even Robinson Cano when he as he gets a little older could be a tremendous DH. Is what right. it you know? Um, anyway, I, I think it's going to go that way. I I do think I don't know what I feel about if you if there's no worry about the DH or not the DH playing uh, American and National League or whatever just playing. You still got to have some things where, you know, east, west, something where yeah. you determine who's going to play for the World Series. Right. But um, I do know that 19 games against the teams in your division get to be a little much, especially when we get to, uh, when the Mariners have to play the Astros all the time. Well, and <laughs> and the the downside of that, playing Tampa Bay. Toronto, I mean... That gets boring, doesn't it? Baltimore, I mean, the uh, game's not even fun. No, not fun. You're, you're wondering if Baltimore's going to be able to score. Now, Bal- you know, they Baltimore do, is 30 they beat, games under yeah, 500. Yeah, they beat you once in a while, but <laughs> really, they're awful right now. Now, two years now, they could be great, Right, not right now. No. And uh, so, uh, 19 times, even 19 times playing the Yankees, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, I want to see some other teams, you know. It's been a while since we've seen... San Francisco or um, San Diego. I don't remember the last time we saw San Diego. I, you know, I, I don't know why not. And you know, they can almost divide it east and west, like they do in most of yeah, the other. Yeah, well, sports. they want to make it more geographically logical. Well, right yeah, now, why? the it's Texas, too... the Texas Rangers are in the American League West. Yeah, and who wants to travel He's when you're Seattle? Player. Yeah, you gotta travel all the time. Put a team in Portland, Oregon. There's less. Well, but uh, if you were also. playing them, the Dodgers, the the car, the Angels, you know, right down the coast, San yeah. Francisco, you, you're not traveling now. That's what that's if what that's, you do. You if would that's get, your division. You would realign everything. Sure. Purely on geography, which is what other leagues do. Oh, so. it save them a ton of money, yeah. and it and it uh, it saves other than other than a road trip, it saves. So much more of that that uh, time zone stuff. Oh, that is brutal. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have Seth Everett talking some Major League Baseball. This is the B-List Daily, Sports Time 780, and live online at sportstimemain.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. 
Does your water stain and damage your fixtures? Does it smell or taste bad? Are you worried about what's in your water? Water quality should not be painful and worrisome. Get HydroCare Water Systems from Wave Home Solutions with the most advanced purification technologies. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-866-979-9147 or go to bestwaternow.com. HydroCare will eliminate lime scale that causes hundreds of dollars in damage to pipes and appliances without using salt. Well water will no longer smell or stain your fixtures. City water will be purified of harmful chlorine, lead, arsenic, and chemicals. Wave Home Solutions provides the cleanest, healthiest water at every faucet. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, call 1-866-979-9147, 1-866-979-9147, or go to bestwaternow.com. That's bestwaternow.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. If you are a coach, a booster, a PTA leader, Maine Athletic Fundraising is the choice to help you make money. Maine Athletic Fundraising works with both high school and youth programs of all ages to make you the most amount of money in the least amount of time. No risk, no minimums. Mark Smith and his staff will walk you through every step of their plan to help you meet your financial goals. Call them today, 207-468-1759, or check them out online, MainAthleticFundraising.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-501-3689 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-501-3689 for your free author submission kit. Again, 800-501-3689. Attention small business owners, you know how hard it is to get funding to grow your business. Next Wave Funding is a direct funder that can help you get the cash you need when you need it, even if your credit is not that great. If you've been in business for over one year, have at least $12,000 in sales every month, Next Wave will purchase your future earnings and give you the money you need. It's as simple as that. Need money for equipment, inventory, expansion, cash flow, payroll? We can get you approved today and funded within 24 to 72 hours. You may even qualify for a cash advance up to $500,000 with no application fee. Funding is based on your business, not your credit score. Call Next Wave Funding today at 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. This is by far the easiest and best funding for existing businesses. Call 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. Next Wave Funding, the alternative solution to bank loans. You're listening to Sports Time Maine, WTME, AM 780, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! 
And welcome back. It is the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at SportsTimeMaine.com. Aaron Morse alongside Coach Dave Wing here in the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios. Glad to have Seth Everett from NBC Sports Radio on the line to talk some Major League Baseball with us. Seth, how's it going today? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. What's going on? Hey, by the way, my uh, my little daughter's going to be up in Maine uh, starting Saturday, so... I'll be paying attention to Maine a lot closer. Not that I've ignored you guys so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful time of year, certainly, to come up to Maine. So, certainly, uh, should be good up here. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, up here, it, it is Red Sox country. They've dropped a couple straight, worried a little bit maybe about their offense right now. What are your impressions right now of what you're seeing from the Red Sox? Can't I know last time we had you, at least when I filled in, you said the Red Sox still had the edge over the Yankees in the East. Do you still think that? I mean, Again, we're getting to the part where if it's going to be a two-team race, it's just going to come down to head-to-head matchups and how they play in September. And, you know, these guys seem to be able to uh, to keep pace with each other uh, for a good long time. And, you know, that's not been a bad thing. Um, I have no problem saying I'd love this to be a pick em. You know, there's an old phrase that I learned a long time ago that I usually started uh, in, in mid-August. Lou Pinella taught it to me, and it says, at this point in the season, you don't have to be good. You just have to win. <laughs> and it really is true. Like, you stop looking at, you know, how's, how's the quality of the rotation and all. What's our defense like? Like, you don't think those things. You just say, how are we going to win today and what's the standard? And, uh, yeah, you know, it goes through ebbs and flows. The Yankees have good stretches. The Red Sox have good stretches. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a good race down the stretch. If you if you put a gun in my head and say, you know, who, who's going to win, I still think the Red Sox are a better team. But, again, games aren't won on the radio and they're not won on paper. Or computer school. Right. Hey, Seth, uh, Aaron is a Seattle Mariners. Uh, he's from there. <laughs> Seattle Mariners right on, fan. So am I. Are they? Oh, really? Are they gonna? Are they gonna hang in there? Yeah. Are they for real? <laughs> uh, I love that. Qu- I love that question. Uh, no, I, you know, I love the. I love the, the Mariners. I, I, I worked with them in the late '90s, and uh, I have still have uh, some of my dearest friends are in Seattle, and I, I, I love that organization, and I've been a big supporter. I'm gonna uh, be at the game today. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, their one their run differential is right. not wonderful. They are already, I think it's twenty five one run victories. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to lie, last night stunk uh, for them. Yes. Uh, you know, I was I was pulling for them, and and and, uh, and, and, and you know, it's a double whammy because it was a Yankee victory also. Um, but my attitude has been, you know, for a lot of these things, that the Mariners are a team that has they're one of teams in baseball that have kind of put an accelerator on their rebuild program. You know, they were not expected to contend in my book. Uh, They were going to be competitive, but maybe a 500 club. Well, they've shown that they're more than that. Uh, So has Atlanta, and so has uh, Philadelphia. So you're talking about now a season that, you know, it really is is, has been a a huge boon because last year there were five of those teams, Colorado, Arizona, Milwaukee, uh, the Yankees, uh, and Minnesota. So this year, the Mariners are that version of that. Look, the Astros just won 12 in a row. I don't think they're winning the division. So the answer is, are they real? Sure, sure they're real. But if you start projecting, you know, what real could turn into is a wild card matchup. And I would hate the idea of getting swept by the Yankees because the next time they'd face each other would be in Yankee Stadium in the wild card game. And I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't like my chance. Well, James Paxton, though, there's a chance for anything, right? He's been a revelation. A rough outing his last time. Defense did not really help him. But, I mean, Paxton has finally emerged as kind of that ace, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, he, he, has, he has pitched well. 
Um, you know, Felix is not what Felix used to be. I, I think they need another starter. Yeah. Um, you know, I like uh, Dylan Bundy. I, I read something about the uh, Mariners have interest in Dylan Bundy from the Orioles. Uh, that's a guy, you know, remember Jake Arrieta was, was a guy with the Orioles and people have said, oh, if he only puts it together, well, maybe Dylan Bundy could do that for the Mariners. That, that, that would be real nice and spacious, safe go field. So, who knows? Um, it, 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 it's one of those things where I've, I've loved what I've seen, but, you know, it's the, it's the proverbial question. You know, Milwaukee does this all the time. It's, are we real? Well, you're real. If you're real enough, you need to know that you're not going to win the division. Does that, does that help the season go along? Right. Well, speaking of the Orioles, they're, they're, they are one of a number of just awful teams this season. Oh, uh, I mean, is this, this – I, I don't want to say tanking. It's a weird word to use because um, it's not really a thing in Major League Baseball just because, you know, you can't pick Le- LeBron James and turn your franchise around in the draft in one year. But, I mean, the, all these really bad teams who are, quote-unquote, rebuilding maybe, is this a bad thing for baseball? Is Because is attendance right now is down. Do you blame that more on the weather throughout the country or all these teams are just completely out of it and their fans know it by May? Well, that's, uh, that's a Pandora's box. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, uh, yes, to all of it. Uh, yeah. Here, here's the thing. Um, let, let's address the first question first. Yeah. Um, there are four teams that are 20 games over 500. Right. Now, people think that's a positive, but that means that there are five teams that are on pace to lose 100 games. Yeah. And that's not good. That, that's, the record is four, and I think we're going to have five teams that lose 100 games this year. Uh, that's not healthy. Um, competitive balance, I thought baseball did wonderful at about 10 years ago, and it has really gone, uh, gone, you know, gone, gone south. Um, that being said, it, it, that's part of the attendance issue. I think there's too many strikeouts. You know, baseball in the last three months has had over 400 more strikeouts than hits. Unbelievable. Too many strikeouts, <sighs> and it's... It, it's a scary statistic, and, you know, they, they, there's this talk about launch angle, and this is a stat that I keep hearing about, and that hitters, look at Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has been focused on launch angle, and I've been told by scouts that teams on both the major and minor league level are teaching launch angle more than contact. And I, as a baseball fan, that scares me. That does scare me, and Harper's batting average is very low and might be costing him. I know batting average is kind of an outdated stat in many people's minds, but, I mean, 208 or whatever he's hitting, that's that's terrible. It might be costing him millions and millions of dollars, right? I mean... <laughs> well, it's, it, 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 it's just not making any contact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, That's all it is. It's, it, it, it's a matter of contact. Uh, there is no contact being had, and, you know, you mentioned James Paxton. Like, to me, he is the ho-hum eight. You know, there was a time when he had, what, 16 strikeouts in a game, and I'm like, Come on, these guys, it's easy to strike guys out now. I mean, that's, that's, that's not what it is. It's not about that anymore. So, uh, I don't know. I, just, I think that it's a sport where certain statistics mean less and have been devalued. When you look at what the Astros last year finally got that World Series, and what they had the fewest strikeouts in baseball, is that right? So I, I think teams hopefully will swing the other way at some point. You would you would imagine? I would hope. I don't know. <laughs> well, you would think. I mean, I mean, there's all like I said, it's a Pandora's box because there's all kinds of theories as to why it is. But you know, it's part of the Saber metric beliefs, and you know, home runs uh, and and driving the ball in the gap is more important than putting the ball in play. And um, I'll give you a crazy stat. We can end on this. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you project this particular season, if you take April and May 
times it by three, so it's April, May, then June, July, and then August, September, and you give them the same statistic, let's say the same thing happens for all six months, baseball will have 10,000 less balls hit in play than 2009. Oh my! That's... Oh my is right. Holy! <laughs> I mean, thanks I for mean, that encouragement. I mean that. I mean, and I asked this question. I was at the uh, the U.S. Open at Chittagong uh, over the weekend, and I was talking to a bunch of reporters. And I asked this question. I'll ask this question to your to your audience and to you guys. If you had to be, if you had a chance to be a commissioner, and you could inherit either sports problem, who would you rather be, Roger Goodell or Rob Manfred? Mm. Hands down, you'd want to be Roger Goodell. Because at least in the NFL, you could say that a majority of the problems facing the NFL are fixable. Yeah, true. I'm not going to sit here and you know get into a debate on how to fix them, but you would agree with me that they are fixable, that they are yes. self-made problems. Yes. Rob Manfred's problems are, are out of this world. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Very I mean, initially I would have said... I would have said... Uh, Manfred, but you know you're right. I'm not sure his things are fixable. Well, not in the short term. Not without some. It's going to be a changes, long time. Maybe. I mean, how long have we been saying nobody swings for base hit anymore? I've been yeah. saying that for <laughs> eight, ten years. Everybody's swinging hot. You know, swinging hard every time versus making contact. Now it's getting worse. Well, well set that for a, angle oh. is, It's not. A, it's not. A, it's, not a, it's not just about about hard. It's more about the angle in which you're sure. swinging. It's almost like an uppercut. So that you drive the ball over the fence. Right. Well, Seth Everett, I know you got to run, but really appreciate your insight calling in here on the B List Daily. Thanks so much for your time and have a good one. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. All right. That was I, Seth Everett from NBC Sports I, Radio talking some launch angle with us here on the B List Daily. And, uh, and you know why they're teaching launch angle, coach, is because every team now is shifting. Right? So the only way to get past the shift, uh, unless you change your entire swing sure. to hit the opposite way, is to hit over the shift. And they want people to hit more line drives and well, fly they, balls. Well, you know, they used to say chicks off the long ball. Long ball, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, a three-run homer will, will get you a long ways in a game. You know, I I didn't get a chance to qualify, quantify, I guess, what I said about swinging hard. I For a while now, I, I've been talking this whole time as Haley and I about Fundamentals, you know, the the catcher not blocking the ball when it's in the dirt. They're trying to scoop it with a glove. And, okay, Johnny Bench got away with that, but how many of those are there? Right. And you see stuff that bounces all over the place. Um, you see uh, first basemen who are just put there because they're sluggers, and they have no idea how to play first base. They don't know how to shift their feet. They don't know how to get down and get a ball and still maybe maintain contact with the bit. They don't understand any of that. And on, I could go on and on. And and I feel the same way about hitting. You know, we were always taught, and I know I'm old, <laughs> that when you get two strikes, you choke up a little bit, and you look to hit the ball to the opposite field because what that means is, whether we knew it or not, it makes you look for the ball longer and you're more than likely going to make contact. And so you, if I'm a right-hand batter, you're going to hit it through the hole towards first base and, and either move the runner along or maybe get it through, etc. Now it's they swing and guys fall down. No one, no one has should, a two-strike approach anymore. You should never be in a situation where you, you fall down after you swing. You're out of control. Right. And 
I, that's what I was talking about. Not, I understand the launch angle perfectly well. I've read all the articles about it and about the the uh, the pitching. Um, what would they call it? Uh, spin rate. Spin rate and yeah. and and uh, the launch angle. I've read all the articles, but I was talking about just the fundamental of uh, everybody's gone to that that. Uh, very narrow handled bat. There's no there's no thick handle anymore where you get one off the hands and it you get it over second base because your bat held together. Right. Everything now is so you can whip the bat. That's how it started, and now it's gone to I can if I, with the right launch angle once every two games I'll hit a home run. Well, you know what I say to that? Big deal. Yeah, I, I feel like for a very small minority of players it will it will help them it save it's credit for saving Justin Turner's career uh, with the Dodgers and stuff like that but uh, a lot of guys it's really hurting and Bryce Harper is uh yeah, example well, I, I think when you there. look like uh like Aaron Judge and and uh, and Giancarlo Stanton okay they're going to hit home runs and yeah. they're going <laughs> to strike out okay right. I I can live with that they've got that kind of a body that means I'm probably going to strike out because I got a huge strike zone, but when I hit it, boys, it's going someplace. Now you know what I say: give me Mookie Betts when he's hot, yeah, and when he's hitting, or even a guy like Robinson Cano. I mean, that guy can hit. Yeah, he can hit to the opposite field. He can hit home run when you lay it in the wrong place. They all can do that. We we've lost. I don't know. I I just feel. The We've theory, lost that, and it makes the game boring. The theory right now is what if you essentially ban the shift, right? What if you made... Or you can only use it twice a game. Or, you yeah, right. Or you can only use it, like, for one batter, like, a certain yeah. batter, like they used to with Ted Williams or whatever. Like, you have to pick a batter before the game or something like that, and, and you only use it against that one batter. Um, but that way, you play straight up, right? You can't have three guys on the right side or on the left side or whatever. And that way hitters aren't pressured to elevate the ball over this shift. They can hit like they've always hit and maybe you return to normal somewhat. You know what's really funny? I mean, think about this. I, I, I want to get back to that. Remind me. How many times do they really shift against right-hand batters? You see that a lot less than you do left-hand batters, I think. They're, a lot less. It used to be where they never shifted right-handers. No, ever. Now they are starting to do that yeah, a little, a little bit. bit here and there. But yeah. But I say, are you... Are you Potentially ruining your swing more by trying to do launch angle than you are learning how to hit the opposite field. I think so. Now, opposite yes. field, absolutely, I think. Yeah. Opposite field uh, will take give you high batting average because you're going to spray the ball. You aren't going to hit it the kind of home runs. Right. Now, I say, let's think about who ought to be having launch angle. If I Aaron Judge and, and Stanton don't need launch angle, they just hit that <laughs> stuffing out of it. Right. So maybe J.D. Martinez does. Okay. But why in heck would a guy the size of Mookie Betts want to think he's a home run hitter? Now, I know he's got a lot, but it's because his hands are like dynamite. They are so quick. Uh, As soon as you think about trying to get the head of the bat out and and hit a home run where you're hitting the ball out in front of the plate, guess what? You're incredibly susceptible to the curveball and anything that even looks like a changeup, or now the splitter. I mean, the splitter is almost the palsy for a hitter because it's a fastball, and all of a sudden it goes, yeah. it just dies. And um, I, I just, I don't know. I we, We've lost all of that stuff. We've lost bunting. 
Tell me major, major league now that can bunt. I mean, they ask you to bunt, and it's like, oh, me, me well, coach? I, I got a bunt? One reason me? why I love D. Gordon on the Mariners uh, is that he's a throwback. Yeah. He, he runs. He steals bases. He he lays down bunts. He he, he does a lot of small th- – he plays good defense at second base. I mean, he's a re- really exciting player they have this season, and there's very few guys like that. There used to be – you know, you had your you had your guys in the 80s stealing 100 bases a year. Well, that's what I was going to say, 100 bases. Now, if somebody says, steals 25, it's a <laughs> – it's a we have a celebration. Season. Yeah, right. <laughs> they call him a base stealer. Well, yeah. he is, but yeah. really? And like you said, you never see anybody bunt for hit anymore. Very rarely. They may bunt for a sacrifice where everybody in the park knows you're going to do it, but really do you side, see anybody drag a bunt anymore? Uh, you never see a right-hand batter put the hand on in the – you say put the hand in the armpit and bunt it. You know, that that was the way you taught it. And uh, never – I mean, yeah, bunts aren't that exciting for me unless it's a fast guy doing it. Like, a sacrifice bunt isn't that exciting for me. I, I would love to see more hit and runs, but, oh, again, yeah. the lack of contact makes that a dicey proposition. Well, when, you, when you're on a launch angle, hit and run's ridiculous. Yeah. Why, would you, why would you be <laughs> right, doing that? Right, you're supposed to hit the ball on the ground yeah. and hit and run. That's what yeah. you're taught. So. But, uh, you know, and I, I think, <clears throat> I guess the shift is innovative. I don't know. And then who's going to play second if it's hitting the infield? Well, and, it's even being debated if the shift even works. All the so. Yeah, all the other junk. Um, but baseball, all the other sports have done innovative things. You know, basketball used to be, if you could get a big man, you get it into Will with the Russell and, and let him play, you know. Now it's become what they call five wide. There are no four, three, four, five. There's no positions. Everybody just plays. Right. And everybody's a three-point shooter. Yeah. And okay, but what I'm saying is, it's cha- the game's changed incredibly. Other than the launch angle that I think has been a, uh, I think it's been a palsy on baseball. So many strikeouts. What have they done that's been innovative? They, they, nobody steals bases, nobody bunts. Is really hit and run, double steal. Uh, there's just hardly any of that stuff. Yeah, there's not a lot of strategy anymore besides where to field your. Oh, especially if you're in the American League. Yeah. <laughs> The National League, they have to make the two-for-one switch and whatever. I mean, yeah. if you did that to a guy like John Farrell, and he'd have to ask somebody, how do you do it? You know, <laughs> he wouldn't have any idea. Well, uh, So I, I, I guess I, I think those are the things. My, my wife, as you know, is a coach. That's where we met. I was the AD, and she was one of my coaches. Yeah. And she loves sports. Uh, she wouldn't watch a baseball game. She'd go to a baseball game. Yeah, it's still it's fun she to go to baseball games. She wouldn't watch a baseball game on TV. She she would give me the stink eye, <laughs> and trust me, it's worth it to change the channel. It really is. <laughs> she, I wouldn't say that she. I mean, basketball. Neither of our kids played basketball. Mm-hmm. She she wouldn't be. Now you're gonna laugh at this. She always kidded the kids. When she went to school, she's from. She went to Westchester State in Pennsylvania first. She was a phys ed major for two years and didn't didn't care for the school. Oh. And so they had a exchange program with with the smaller colleges in Maine. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is before it was the Maine system, you know, where they were all connected. Yeah. So University of Maine, Fort Kent. Sure. Had an exchange program. You could go there and you got in-state tuition and blah, blah, blah. So she went there. Well, the coach knew she was athletic, watched her play field, that, field hockey and said, you're a good athlete. Look, I need I need a couple more basketball players. 
my wife said, no, nah, all right, I'll play, I'll play, you know, whatever. So she always kids the kids. She says, yeah, I play college basketball. <laughs> we laugh at it like hell. Main Fort I, Kent? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she finished it. Well, she finished up at Farmington, and she made her schedule. So two days a week, she skied. She didn't have any classes. That, that, that she loved. She should have been a competitive skier, really. <laughs> but anyway, she, she wouldn't watch a baseball game. Well. In this lifetime, for me, like as a as a baseball fanatic, and I've always been one. Baseball has it, I thought it'd become kind of boring the last few years, and then I realized it's only because my team was terrible. <laughs> yeah, this year I find baseball very exciting. All of a sudden, because <laughs> my team is good again, sort of. I think <laughs> I, I like I like baseball. I played baseball. I only played my freshman year of college, and then I got hurt in football and didn't mm. play my sophomore year, but. I, I like baseball, and and uh, I like the. I used to like the intricacies of the game, which kind of has gone away a little bit. Um, but it does make a difference in a 162 game season if your team sucks. It's it, hard oh, to yeah. hang in there. <laughs> I feel bad it for Orioles fans right now. Really like, hard to hang like, in. How there. do you even like? Well, oh. you know, you go to you go to an Orioles game. There's more Red Sox fans in than there are Orioles oh, fans for sure. Practically everybody that comes in. We, we talked about it a lot. We could fly to Baltimore with our best friends, the Walkers, and get tickets and see a couple of games, stay overnight and come home, and it wouldn't be that much more expensive than it would go to a Red Sox game and get really good tickets right. because the t- tickets are so expensive, and you can't get them anyway. Oh, yeah. Sox tickets are very, very— Sox and Yankees are horrible. The bleachers are like my, my wife $40. Went, yeah, my wife went to—our uh, our nephew was, going to, was looking at the University of Chicago. He's a really good student. And Chris went with him to look at the school. Good school, but it's where fun goes to die, Coach. Well, that's what they say. It's not very fun there. And, uh, yeah. Although Chicago's a great city. Yeah. Well, you Northwestern guys <laughs> wouldn't like that place anyway. But uh, very anyway, different schools. So while we're there, there she said, "We don't. I don't want to just come here and see the school. You want to see the the top city, see what yeah. it looks like, and how green it is, and so on and so forth." So they went to U.S. Cellular and saw the White Sox and the Yankees. She said, "We sat in the front row, about." 20 feet beyond third base, and the tickets cost $25. Yeah, the White Sox struggle that, with their attendance. That would bit. be, that that ticket would be 200 bucks if you could get it in Fenway. Yeah. If you could get it. White Sox games are interesting because they don't get that many fans, but it's oh, a pretty good had, experience if you're there because they yeah, do a good she job. Yeah, it's a I fun think. place to watch a game. Yeah, they do a good job there. <clears throat> Wrigley has changed in that it used to be like, oh, this is Wrigley Field. Uh, we're Cubs fans. Yeah, yes. we're Cubs, whatever. They're not going to make any attempt to entertain you. That Those days are gone. They've added a giant video board. They've added a, you know, a lot of things that would have been unthinkable uh, you know, 10 years ago. Well, there. blocking those people that sat across, <laughs> across the street and it bleaches on that building across the street. Oh, well, oh, I've, boy, sa- I've sat in the rooftop seats. That? Well, they have a revenue-sharing deal, I think, with the Cubs Oh, they do? Now. Yeah, yeah. They're, they've, they're, for a while there, it was very... Uh, there's a lot of tension. Well, it looked like it. We're going to put the scoreboard right in front of it. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, that's, right. That's a loser. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there were any out there in that part of the ballpark. But, um, like, I've been on rooftop seats. They're pretty cool experience. Uh, I bet it for is. For sure. Um, the the same with the monster seats at Fenway. Those things are fantastic. I, have you been out there? Yeah. You've been? Oh, that's why I want to do that. I, yeah. how, do, how do you get tickets, Coach? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lottery. Oh, it is? They, okay. They, you, you go online, uh-huh. and sometimes you just have to leave your laptop on, and it'll be a ding. And if you go, you, boom, when there's a ticket open, you jump in. It's, this is like yeah. right when tickets go on sale at the beginning yeah. of the year? But they, yeah. Well, no, they do it sometimes the uh, during the, during oh, okay. the year. Okay. And they have standing room on the monster On seat. the monster. Yeah, right up. 
you know, in the Ooh. back. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I want a seat. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I want a seat. I don't want to stand the whole Although, game. i got to be honest with you. When you talk about cheap, if you get standing room at Fenway, yeah. and you go in and you stand uh, there's on the mezzanine where they sell the do- hot dogs and whatever, mm-hmm. well, around in the behind home plate, they, they got huge concession stand. Well, if you come back towards uh, the third base side, for instance, on the mezzanine, you know, there's the low seats, you know, that are really expensive. Yeah. And then there's standing room. Right, and they got a they've got a uh, countertop. There's no seat, of course. There's countertop. You bring your food, set that's it on not, the countertop. It's not bad. Pretty good spot. You're it's cool. a and you're that not very far from the field. I said, we've gone there a couple of times. My kids and I, you know, yeah. say, hey, you want to go to a game? We can get standing room. Boom, we're there. So they have that. It's you got to get there early. But right, right, it's worth it. So it's not at the very top. It's down lower. Like, oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've done standing room before where it was at the very top of the lower deck. But you're right by the concession, so that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> One time, I don't know how somebody wasn't paying attention, whoever was on on duty, because I was just wandering around. I had standing room tickets, and and uh, it was just a couple of us guys, and we walked up into right field, and you know that nice area they've got there where they got a big concession stand and they're standing and whatever. We walked in. You're not supposed to be going there unless you got a special ticket. <laughs> well. I don't know whether the guy was going to the bathroom or what. We walked right in. We went, oh, this is okay. Yeah. And we sat there, and they, they got tons of food, and there's places to stand and eat. I mean, that. You went to the club area? <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Yeah. Then some guy came on, and I watched people trying to get in after that, and he was saying, hey, right. get out. You know? right. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I think we made it in here at the right time. <laughs> well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have my interview with the new head coach of the Bates College football team, uh, Malik Hall, he is quite the personality, to say the least. I think he could be a preacher if he wanted to, if football doesn't work out for some reason. We'll take a break. This is the V-List Daily on Sports Time 780 Live Online at SportsTimeMain.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. Does your water stain and damage your fixtures? Does it smell or taste bad? Are you worried about what's in your water? Water quality should not be painful and worrisome. Get HydroCare Water Systems from Wave Home Solutions with the most advanced purification technologies. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-866-979-9147 or go to bestwaternow.com. HydroCare will eliminate lime scale that causes hundreds of dollars in damage to pipes and appliances without using salt. Well water will no longer smell or stain your fixtures. City water will be purified of harmful chlorine, lead, arsenic, and chemicals. Wave Home Solutions provides the cleanest, healthiest water at every faucet. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, call 1-866-979-9147, 1-866-979-9147, or go to bestwaternow.com. That's bestwaternow.com. Wave Home Solutions. 
If you are a coach, a booster, a PTA leader, Maine Athletic Fundraising is the choice to help you make money. Maine Athletic Fundraising works with both high school and youth programs of all ages to make you the most amount of money in the least amount of time. No risk, no minimums. Mark Smith and his staff will walk you through every step of their plan to help you meet your financial goals. Call them today, 207-468-1759, or check them out online, mainathleticfundraising.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-501-3689 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-501-3689 for your free author submission kit. Again, 800-501-3689. Attention small business owners, you know how hard it is to get funding to grow your business. Next Wave Funding is a direct funder that can help you get the cash you need when you need it, even if your credit is not that great. If you've been in business for over one year, have at least $12,000 in sales every month, Next Wave will purchase your future earnings and give you the money you need. It's as simple as that. Need money for equipment, inventory, expansion, cash flow, payroll? We can get you approved today and funded within 24 to 72 hours. You may even qualify for a cash advance up to $500,000 with no application fee. Funding is based on your business, not your credit score. Call Next Wave Funding today at 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. This is by far the easiest and best funding for existing businesses. Call 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. Next Wave Funding, the alternative solution to bank loans. You're listening to Sports Time Maine, WTME, AM 780, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! Welcome back into the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios. My name is Aaron Morse, filling in for Maddie B today. It's the B List Daily on Sports Time 780, live online at sportstimemain.com. Well, yesterday, he wasn't available today because obviously he had a lot of uh, moving to be done. He's got three kids. He's signing them up for local YMCA stuff here. So you'll hear about that a little bit in this upcoming interview. Malik Hall, uh, an alum of the University of Massachusetts. And um, former defensive line coach at the University of Pennsylvania, former defensive coordinator at Wagner as well. He's been a, a, lo- a number of different Division One schools as, as a coach. He is the new head coach of the Bates College football team. And yesterday, I had a chance to sit down with Coach Hall and get an overview of who he is. He definitely is someone who is very enthusiastic, and he is ready to go. So this is my interview with Coach 
Hall. Pleasure to be joined by Malik Hall here to talk some Bates football. Your first head coaching gig. I mean, you must be over the moon right now. What's going through your mind? Because obviously it's a whirlwind right now. You just arrived on campus yesterday after going to the golf outing on Monday, right? Man, it's um, it's an interesting time just to, one, continue to learn about the tradition at Bates and at the same time get familiar with the people that make Bates special. Um and of course, the players. I, I think being a football coach, the players are important. <laughs> um, and in that space, just trying to really then take it a day at a time. Um, you know, if you look at it at a bigger scope, it, it, it could potentially feel overwhelming. Uh, but if you take it a day at a time and you prioritize, organize, and I, I, not only do I think we can get it off to the right track with this short window, but more than anything, we, one thing that we can create is the narrative on where we're going and creating that by using a social media platform, um, reaching, reaching more than just the baby boomers, if you will, and just the community, but reeling them all in together. That's the beauty about the Internet. It has no age. It has no race. It has no gender. It's information that you can control and send out. Now, however, you cannot control comments. <laughs> but at the same point, I think from where we want to go football-wise and where Bates wants to go as an athletic department institution is no better time than to be new, to have a start, to have a blank canvas, and to create. But that's not to say it's not difficult. But at that, with that being said, it's hard to win. But you can build it to win. Excellent. Now, your guys had coaching experience in a lot of Division One programs, most recently, um, you know, at Penn. How much did you know about the NESCAC, Division Three in general, before this Bates opportunity arose? Graduating from UMass, coaching in the Northeast for so long, like, you know, you get a very quick understanding of the importance of football in the Northeast. And that importance is attached with academics. So when you think about is is you got the CAA, which is a half academic. All of them are academic, but not maybe to the extreme of the Patriot League and Ivy, but much more uh, football driven, if you will. And then you go uh, Ivy League, which who doesn't know the Ivy League, right? Then now you got to make a decision: is it the Patriot League or is it the NESCAC? In terms of quality football with education and getting both so quickly just in my time being out east you, you kind of have an idea that you know before the new head coach right or new he's been there for five years I think but when I got in the trend uh, to the northeast and then the college football Trinity was going nine and0 year after year after year and and coach Peori Chuck Peori is now at Stony Brook like so that was initially my introduction to it because I was at Central Connecticut. And we would go over to Trinity to watch their practice. Meanwhile, they haven't lost a game in two years. They <laughs> were like, wow, what? this is pretty this is pretty impressive. And they're in the city. They have, their challenges can really be obvious there in Hartford. You know, and um, like UPenn, being in West Philly, like challenges are what they are, but creativity – Finds a way to overwhelm the challenge. Excellent. Now, you're from Detroit, so tell me a little bit about your background growing up. When did you first get into football? When did you realize you wanted, maybe wanted to coach it? 
Uh, I had no idea I wanted to coach football. My old man would say, who's from, who's, he would say, Malik, you, you could call a better game than what your coaches did right there. Meanwhile, I'm in Pee Wee. <laughs> like, like, Pop, I, like, I play center. I'm just trying to snap the ball and go right or left. For him, he, I think he always saw me as a, a thinker. And he always saw that, like, I saw football like I see chess. And, you know, I, I didn't know he saw that. You know, I, I certainly didn't, but he saw something that I didn't. Um, and he actually introduced me to football, organi organized football, who didn't grow up playing sand a lot, right? And we just had a passion for it, you know, pick them up, mess them up. Sideline tackle, if you got on someone's lawn, you could tackle them as long as you in the street. It was two-hand touch. And we would just do that till the sun went down. And, of course, you had to be in when the street lights came on. So everyone was running a 40 to the house. And um, he enrolled me in Little League football, the Detroit uh, Panthers. Uh, and it was my first introduction. And once you get bit, like Spider-Man, it just stays with you forever, you know what I mean? So I got bit by the football bug, and and I would think I was 10 at the time. And fast forward, you know, I've taken it to college. Uh, I've done some things with football that I never would have imagined, using football as a platform to still be still teach because that was important to me as a, as a professional because I'm an education guy. So being able to take that approach in the classroom and transition it into the football field, it, it was somewhat seamless because of the academic training that teach students, whether it be history, sociology, government, econ, whatever it, whatever it is, they're teaching you a blueprint to teach. Well, the vehicle is the high school or, you know, the classroom will, my vehicle today is football, but the teaching principles are the same. And that in itself helped me, uh, helped me develop our acronym called TEACH, uh, trust, educate, appreciate, care, and help. Uh, I think, um, the care piece is also compassion, um, because compassion is the compass for competition for me and for my staff so no one will ever cross the line for the sake of being too competitive because we're using compassion to be that compass oh we're going too far off reservation the compass of the compass of compassion to bring us back uh you know and using that acronym of teach has been a great understanding for our players and what to get from me like when you hear trust in TG, like, well, it takes time for people to trust you. And I need them to understand, I need you guys to trust me before I can ask you, before I can ask trust from you, right? And that way, I feel like that's prioritizing them and their belief and their, and, and that they're, uh, they are on the field. I'm not on the field. Like, hey, you guys gotta trust me. Like, if you trust me, You'll see I reciprocate that. Um, you know, and, and it's just, and, and to empower people is always a beautiful thing because 
you give a man a you give a man a fish and you cook it for him, he's done. But if you you know the old proverb, you show him how to fish, he'll be able to provide his own meals, meals for his family. So ultimately, I want my guys to graduate, not just to become a good football player, because that's an end game. So what do we use a football to get across? Well, we want to empower them to be great fathers, to be to be great husbands, uh, for that matter, to be great CEOs or employees, right? The best thing about leadership is service, not dictatorship. So using that, again, that principle of teach to reel in, you know, my philosophy in that I never allow the wins and losses. And I, excuse me for using the word never, but it helps me to try to stay away from some of the the natural traps of being competitive. Like losing and winning is a is a natural trap of being competitive. But when winning and losing is the only motivation, then when you're not winning, then you're you just have no motivation. You have no no desire to continue. But that life doesn't work that way, so why would football? Gotcha. And then, uh, folks, just so you know, Coach is on Facebook. You can like him, Coach Malik Hall, and you post a number of, uh, I would call them motivational speeches, video casts, if you will, on Facebook. Uh, when did you start getting, you touched on the importance of social media earlier, but when did you really start doing these type of things and what motivated it for you? Uh, again, just the teacher piece and just understanding, like, Athletics is about moving, right? It's a move piece to this. So I know I'm. They can call me Coach Acronym, <laughs> <laughs> right? So we we so we talked about the teach piece and how that helps the philosophy my, for my coaching staff. But from a from a, a speaker standpoint or a motivational speaker standpoint, you know, it, it's still coaching for me. It's still coaching. It's still teaching. Uh, but knowing that players, once you leave coaches, like once school lets out in, in elementary school, it's like, oh, I don't have to open another book again. <laughs> so so there's some loss that happens in the summer when you don't continue to prepare, right? And because off season, all just the word alone tells you I'm off. It's vacation. And one of the things, creating the move videos to motivate them, to teach them how to overcome, visualize where you're going, and hear that, here's that empowering piece again. I thought the social media platform was a great opportunity for me to talk to my guys while they're on summer vacation, while they're doing internships in New York City or California or St. Louis, where, Texas, wherever they go, like, I want to still be able to talk to them. Yeah. And it was an aha moment to a degree um, because m my video guy who's coming on board, he said, listen, man, one of the things you got to really do is still like, still talk to them when they're on vacation. I'm like, I'm a, I can't call all my guys every week and have just an intense five-minute motivation to speak with them. <laughs> like, that, that's not real. He said, exactly. But Facebook can do that for you. Twitter can do that for you. Instagram can do that for you. And though I think at times we use social media to just service our guilty pleasure of whatever that may be that's easy to access now, um, 
you've watched time and time again how people have used in social media to disrupt a culture and change it. And um, for me, it was just to motivate my defense, to motivate my defensive line, and to know that I'm thinking about the season, and I hope you are as well. And always giving them something to reaffirm that, to reconnect that, and to have them remember that. And that's how it all built. Uh, and because I enjoy doing it, because I feel like as a kid I have, was not able to talk to enough while he was here. And so when I'm when I get in front of the camera or I do the video podcast, I'm thinking about a guy that I know I didn't spend enough time with. Like so whether that be true or not, in my mind that's where the drive is, that's where my fuel is. And and when I'm talking, I'm talking to him because he's on the cusp of being real good. He's on the cusp of being all American. He's on the cusp of starting. We can't take a step backwards right now. We can't take a step backwards. So let's take a step forward. Let's move into our greatness. Let's motivate ourselves. Let's overcome whatever challenges is in front of us. Let's visualize how we're going into our season. So when we go in there, we're fully confident. We're empowered. So I'm sure the alums will want to hear about X's and O's a little bit. A little bit. Um, you know, some coaches have a philosophy. I have my system. I'm going to get my guys to do that system to the best of their ability. Others say, I'm going to build my system around my personnel. What's more like your philosophy when it comes to that? Is it different for offense and defense? Because you're a defensive guy sure, sure, in general. Sure, sure. Well, I'm a defensive guy, but I want to, I want to be clear on this. <laughs> because, again, I come from the teaching, the teaching mindset. Yeah. Some, and look, I'm not here to talk educational reform. Some of the issues I've had as a, as a student, because I'm dyslexic, and in the 90s, that wasn't a really, that wasn't a disability that was diagnosed often. Um, so you, you have to find a way to learn based on the blueprint that they're giving you. So with that being said, fast forwarding to the question of, they're going to run my system, this is what they're good at. Like, let's find out what they're good at. Let's merge what we want to do and what they're good at. And let's roll this thing out here. So, for example, you know, if if your fastest guy can't catch, don't put him at receiver. Just because he's fast, that doesn't make him a receiver. Um, you know, and, and just thinking of it in that regard. Like, if your running back has a fumbling issue, but he runs it, very aggressively, well, we can work on that. Because the attribute of aggressive running, that's big. Fumbling, that's bad. But that's something that we can work on, right? Just leaning into whom our players and what our players have and what attributes they have and not focusing on what they can't not do. Find out what you're good at and let's be good at that as the reality, good teams are good at what they do, and they're good at it on a consistent level that's better than what you're good at. I'm curious in terms of the CBB rivalry. Have as much been? I'm sure you've heard about it already uh, from a lot of people, right? <sighs> Rivalries is the best part about college football. It doesn't get any better than that doing college football. Um, and I think rivalries connect communities it connects communities good or bad but it is it does connect us um so with that being said man listen kobe Bowden, and bass like i get that 
and I've been in college football to know rivalries can get real good and real heated. Uh, but I, I, I don't want the focus to be a rival. I want the focus to be Bates. I don't want the focus to be Amherst. I want the focus to be Bates. I don't want it to be – I don't want to handcuff our focus to anyone other than us. Because – and I use the word handcuff because another team would have to have the key to unlock us from each other. And – or unless they're really good at picking a lock. <laughs> but you got to be really good, and that takes time. And we want to create – we want to create that circle – that circle that's infinite of energy that you got to work your tail off to break in and get in our circle. And whatever energy we bring by talking about Kobe, Amherst, Bowden, like, yes, the rivalry is good, but because it's so good, don't have to address it. We have to address us. And if we address us, the rivalry handles itself because of the atmosphere, because of social media, because of the hashtags. Like, we can't stop information. Information goes through. But we can say what we're going to feed our guys. Like, the outside world can feed them whatever. But I don't have to feed them when I know the outside world's going to talk about to see the Kobe, the Bo, and Bates, the CBB. Like, I know that. And I know it's important. But what's important is us and maintaining a, a maintaining solidarity with us by talking about us. And not taking anything away from the rival, but I certainly don't want to take anything from all the alum who want more than just to win the CBB. Right. And, and as good as as good as it, like coach coach did a great job. I think they won the CBB what four times in a row. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Like now, if we can double that and double down on the real the regular conference, if you will. I think the CBB handles itself, um, but where your attention goes is where your focus goes. You uh, helped Penn there win a pair of Ivy League titles, right? Uh, what was that experience like, and how much are you going to apply that championship experience here at Bates, you think? Man, it was intense. I mean, the year before Coach Peori, first off, the Penn staff was awesome. In this type of window that that this opportunity came, like I understand that there was – the people who who were at Penn that I genuinely am excited for as they move forward and that I genuinely like made some great relationships with it's it's tough to lose a coach, but it's even tougher to lose people that you appreciate and love. So though they may feel like they lost me, I feel like I lost them because the natural connection and the championships. Um so they were awesome just dealing with me in this process. Uh, second thing, Coach Peori, which which I thought was awesome, was a big believer in leaning into who we are. And that deal was, look, we are the only one in a major city next to Columbia. And we want to lean into us being in a major city. And you have to have some grit to be in a major city. And his deal was, we're going to be the home of the grit and the grind. Because when you wake up in the morning and you look outside your dorm and commerce is already rolling and the streets are busy, like you got to grind it up and get through, get to the train, get through some traffic, get to your class. And then you got to have some grit because, unfortunately, it may be a panhandler on the corner that 
if that's gonna afraid make you afraid, like mm, that might not might not be the place for you. Uh, so if snow is a problem, mm, like you don't like to ski, you want to take up snowboarding. We got motor vehicles. Like lean into that, lean into that. So he leaned into the grit of Philadelphia, and and that's no that's that's nothing new. Uh, he was there for thirty some years. He's watched some great teams. They've had some most the winningest program in the Ivy League. To be a part of that kind of culture is 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 amazing. But what you find is culture is far more important than X's and O's. Culture is far more important than facilities. Culture is far more important than than having like all Americans. All Americans help culture, <laughs> right? And draft picks, right? We had an NFL draft pick that helps culture, um, but they had to create that culture. They had to create an NFL draft pick. They had to create a a fundraising to build a brand new locker room or a brand new football facility. So you still have to create that culture, and learning that how to create that culture from Coach Peori, Coach Benson, and Coach Reagan. On top of the pen administration, uh, you couldn't like excellence is the standard, and and is championship is the standard because excellence is the standard academically. Yeah. So why would not excellence be the standard athletically? Why would you take a back seat to what you're leading with? Because we're leading with academics. That's our lead. We're only going after guys who want to change the, the world in engineering and want to change the world in business, like, like, well, so is Bates. Bates is thinking about, like, changing the world just the same academically to be great academically. Let's be great athletically as well. Let's change the landscape of what people think we are athletically. And championships do that. Uh, but more than anything, energy can do it as well. I'm curious, um, since you've been an assistant uh, during your career, now this is your first head coaching job. So you've seen how head coaches deploy their assistants mm. from that perspective. Now you're the one doing the deploying. So have you thought about you know that philosophy in terms of how you use your assistant coaches? I I believe that everyone has a role. My job is to paint a vision where everyone can see their role in that vision and not only see see themselves in that role, but see themselves being successful in that role. That's the critical piece to that, right? Because I can show you the vision, and this is where I see from you. And if you don't see yourself having any success there, there's less buy-in, less buy-in. So, like my, the distribution of responsibilities and things of that nature. Listen, that's just organization, but being able to convey the vision. Now, when I convey that vision, for you to see yourself exploding in that vision and seeing yourself getting everything you want for you and then everything you want for the team. And one vision is how you make magic happen and how you make championships happen. Personalities, that's the caveat. Because everybody may not be okay with their role. Yeah. Everybody may not be okay with the vision. For that matter, might not even see it. But with time, with time, Repetition is the father learning. With time, repping it out, getting confidence in what they're seeing and what they're repping, you find yourself getting like, you know what? I, 
Coach, I see it. I didn't see it when you got here, but now I see it. I'm catching a ball I couldn't catch before I got before you got here, or my I got faster, or I got more confidence, whatever it may be. Like we just want to empower them. If we can empower them and get them to again move them, move to greatness, motivate, overcome, visualize, and empower. We'll go in the direction we want to go in, and the vision will be clear. And not only will it be clear, like it would create buy-in for them to sell out, if you will. Sell out. Like, lean into Rocky versus Drago. Let's get the logs out. Hey, can't wait till snow. We going to run high knees in the snow. Like, like yeah, the stepper is high knees. Inverted treadmill. Like, well, we don't need technology when you got heels and snow, do you? <laughs> um, again, just lean into who we are. Embrace it. Like, we want bobcats, not other cats. Right, because there's a lot of places for people to go, and there's more talent than there are schools. So, our job is to hunt it down. I'm curious, uh, moving to Maine here with your family. What what are their thoughts on it? What are you and the talks been about? So, my daughter wants to take up snowboarding. Uh-huh. My son is like the skiing thing looks cool. Uh, they love water, so that's not a problem. Uh, and for me, like you know, I. To be able to deal with the whole student, to coach the whole student as Bates teaches the whole student, um, comes with some programming that you just don't do at the Division One level. And, and partly because, you know, when you talk off season and kids going, you know, kids going over to Europe or, you know, doing mission work, like that's, that's big, man. Now imagine if we could capture that. So a kid in in Austin, Texas could see that. Or a kid in L.A. or San Diego, for that matter, Denver, Steamboat, Colorado. Like, there are places in our country that look exactly like our backyard. But if we don't show them that what we have to offer, how would they see it? So so for me, that's that's a major, major key to the branding piece and where we want to go. Um, the last thing... <laughs> The last thing in that is they're like, when I came up this week, they're like, Daddy, can I go? Yeah. I'm like, ah, I got a lot of work to do, so let's kind of wait till we can get that going. Um, and we, I'm, I'm going to the YMCA from here to try to enroll them in the camps. Uh-huh. Uh, they're pumped, man. But, again, I have a 7, 5, and 2-year-old. Like, this is a beautiful time to be a father, to be in Daddy Daycare, right? Yeah. But at the same time, this is a beautiful opportunity to be a head coach. You touched on recruiting a little bit there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're going to be pretty hands-on when it comes to recruiting. Is that Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I think no one knows who Coach Malik Hall is yet. Like, And uh, interesting enough, like, to expand our recruiting net outside of New England, like, that's going to take work. That's going to take work. Because when you say Maine, Someone in Houston might not even know where that's at, you know, or for that matter, never been there if they know. I mean, geographically, you can pull out a map and find us, but, like, it's, it's a little more than that. It's a little more than that, and we want to leave some breadcrumbs as we go on in the recruiting trail, and if the breadcrumbs are tasty enough, they're going to ask for the full loaf, and that full loaf may be Bates.edu. It may be Bobcat Nation, someone wants to do, you know, a fan blog for us. It, it could be 
whatever people wanted to be if the breadcrumbs are there. Ultimately, man, that's that's how we want to go about this recruiting landscape, create impressions. And the impressions, we want to uh, lead them to the bigger piece of that pie, which is getting them on campus ultimately and um, making them feel what I felt when I got on campus, which is uh, a tight-knit community that believes in family and not only believes in family but believes in doing it with a great effort and a great attitude and being excellent. So with that combination, like how can we go wrong when we find those academic student athletes who are willing to do something different. Give me your biggest priorities, you know, from now until you can actually start working with the players in September. <laughs> um, right now, I, I think the most important thing is is to get around campus and meet everyone. I think in this short time window, this is a sprint. And I would like to think of this as a relay sprint. And uh, and opposed to the hundred and, and excuse a sport analogy, but we are sports information. So, with that being said, the hundred, the hundred is a solo race, but this campus is. I need them to be in the four by four by two with me, because they're gonna have to give me batons and tell me where to run. And right now, that's that's priority to introduce myself to everyone on campus know what we can and cannot accomplish in terms of immediacy and understand uh, the dynamics and how that can the campus works. Everyone has been awesome and open arms in terms of helping and giving me some direction on whether how how basketball works to how tennis works to so that piece is what I've been working on these past 48 hours. The next piece is to put a staff in play which we're pretty close to that. Uh, and then at that point, hunker down and dig a trench and let's see what happens. Let's get in the lab. Let's break down some film. Let's get ready for preseason. Uh, I'm reaching out to as many players as I can before they get back on campus. I talk about, we talked about doing a video welcome for those guys, me and my video guy, because I, again, that's where they, that's where they, that's where they reside. And, um, you know, the Facebook, you know, the Facebook stuff is good, but now, like, I have a, a a new group of players to talk to. Though my old group of players or players from previous schools may still watch, but now it's with a new purpose, a new start, and that's and that's where we are. All right, Malik Hall, welcome to Bates. Thanks so Glad much. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, man. Great day to be a Bobcat. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. Does your water stain and damage your fixtures? Does it smell or taste bad? 
Are you worried about what's in your water? Water quality should not be painful and worrisome. Get HydroCare Water Systems from Wave Home Solutions with the most advanced purification technologies. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-866-979-9147 or go to bestwaternow.com. HydroCare will eliminate lime scale that causes hundreds of dollars in damage to pipes and appliances without using salt. Well water will no longer smell or stain your fixtures. City water will be purified of harmful chlorine, lead, arsenic, and chemicals. Wave Home Solutions provides the cleanest, healthiest water at every faucet. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, call 1-866-979-9147, 1-866-979-9147, or go to bestwaternow.com. That's bestwaternow.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. If you are a coach, a booster, a PTA leader, Maine Athletic Fundraising is the choice to help you make money. Maine Athletic Fundraising works with both high school and youth programs of all ages to make you the most amount of money in the least amount of time. No risk, no minimums. Mark Smith and his staff will walk you through every step of their plan to help you meet your financial goals. Call them today, 207-468-1759, or check them out online, MainAthleticFundraising.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-501-3689 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-501-3689 for your free author submission kit. Again, 800-501-3689. Attention small business owners, you know how hard it is to get funding to grow your business. Next Wave Funding is a direct funder that can help you get the cash you need when you need it, even if your credit is not that great. If you've been in business for over one year, have at least $12,000 in sales every month, Next Wave will purchase your future earnings and give you the money you need. It's as simple as that. Need money for equipment, inventory, expansion, cash flow, payroll? We can get you approved today and funded within 24 to 72 hours. You may even qualify for a cash advance up to $500,000 with no application fee. Funding is based on your business, not your credit score. Call Next Wave Funding today at 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. This is by far the easiest and best funding for existing businesses. Call 800-515-0234. That's 800-515-0234. Next Wave Funding, the alternative solution to bank loans. You're listening to Sports Time Maine, WTME, AM 780, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! Welcome back in to the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios. It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online 
at SportsTimeMaine.com. In the last segment, we had an extended interview with the new head coach of the Bates College football team, Malik Hall, who takes over after Mark Harriman stepped down after 20 years at the helm of the Bates football program. And Coach Hall, obviously very enthusiastic, uh, coming from the University of Pennsylvania. He graduated in 2003 from the University of Massachusetts, originally from Detroit, obviously inheriting the situation at Bates where they've won four consecutive CBB Series titles, but would love to, you know, beat some teams besides Colby and Bowden, certainly, you know, in the NESCAC. And so, Coach, you know, what advice, if you if Coach Hall was here, would you give him coming into a new situation, just in general as a head coach, and what what – you know, steps you need to take to, you know, evaluate the situation and then put your stamp on the program kind of. Yeah, I think uh, I, I've been a new coach in a couple different places. And I think when I first went to Brewer, I, I, can't, I think I got too involved in being kind of like the coach that was there before me because he was so successful uh-huh. instead of being myself. So that would be the number one, be yourself. It sounds to me like there's no, there's no doubt about that part. <laughs> right. Um, I think the other part is too uh, – you, you need to make your, those especially those early decisions, you need to build trust. You know, honestly, every coach thinks it's about the offense and the defense. And those are certainly a factor in how your team plays and whether you can put kids in positions to be successful. But if you don't have a, a, a common trust within that team of them trusting you and trusting each other, you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. And so I would say... Um, Quite frankly, I, I don't want to say it's not about him because that's not the correct statement. But you understand what I mean? Yeah. He he's not it. it they're it. Yeah. And he needs to bring them with him uh, so that they're all in that together. Now, part of that's a transition where you hope that you have somebody that's already been there who knows the kids, has some idea. Now, that doesn't mean that I need to rely on you, the guy from Bates, that says, oh, that guy, no, no, you can't trust him. No, <laughs> no, everybody's got a clean slate. Yeah. The beauty of having a new coach is everybody's got a new, a clean slate. Even the starters have got to prove that they got to prove that they should be the starter. And so I think that really lifts the program up. Everybody needs to be on their toes and ready to work because nobody's got anything with a new coach. Right. They're starting from scratch. He's going to tell them that, by the way. He's going to say, I don't know any of you. Prove to, <laughs> prove to me that you should play. And I think that's great for a program. But but most of all, I would say you ask a lot of, you know, how you feel about this? What have you done in the past? Uh, did you play much? And if not, why not? And what could you do differently? I mean, I, I think there's conversations you have. Now, in high school, I would have done it by goal cards. You know, you set your goals. Your personal goals on one side, team goals on the other. Mm. I met with every kid to talk about their goals. And you say, I want to be the starting tackle. Right. And I said, okay, so give me the list of the guys that play tackle on this team. You, you know. You know who they are. So you list them off. And I yeah. say, so tell me. You tell me. Are you better than Johnny Smith? Are you better than Aaron Morris? Are you better than – the kids are going to be pretty honest. Once in a while you get a kid that says, oh, yeah. <laughs> even though, even though the two tackles are all conference, no, not ne- sorry, buddy, not you can, you can tell that right away. But, yeah. but I think what you get is a conversation that they need to think about. So I say, so you don't think you're better than those guys? And the, and the kid will say, I, I don't think so, coach. I say, well, how, how do you think you can get better? What, what can you do to say to us, we we got to play him, right? And so they start self motivating, which is a little easier in college. If they're playing, they understand why they're playing. They motivate because they really love the sport and they want to be part of Bates football and so on. 
high school kids sometimes do it because their friends are playing and you know whatever. You, you got to make a major commitment, right, to play in an academic school like Bates to play any sport, let sure. alone football. And so you know why you're out there. And I think that college kids tend to be pretty, pretty realistic about what their abilities are. For sure. And uh, anyway, I think it's going to be great. I I, uh, I always miss the old coach because they're usually nice people. But I think any program, it's great to throw that enthusiasm of a new guy in. I, I He does have a couple guys available here if he wanted to use them. I think it's a nice transition. I, I was, I've done both. I was in a situation in Brewer where I had one returning coach. That, that was it. He's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. The fourth day of practice, in between the morning practice and the afternoon practice, he had a heart attack and died. Oh, my God. So two things. We got that horrible tragedy, yeah. number one. And number two, there's our connection with anybody that knew all our kids. Right. And thus the kind of where the, where the bodies are buried, you know, that kind of thing. And then uh, when I went to, to uh, Skowhegan, uh, I, same thing. I had one guy and uh, and so on. So And the other guys were new, brand new. So yeah. It's. Uh, I think to have somebody there for a little transition is nice, and then you come to some understanding the next year. If he's the head coach, if he, this is a business. If he doesn't want somebody back, then they won't be back. I mean, that's the way it goes. Right. And uh, but you hope that that transition works for him, and and that they're able to help him uh, kind of figure out how it looks. You know, they those guys know Neskak. He he doesn't know him. He he's going to start watching films right now. I can guarantee you. <laughs> right. He's taken. He's taking stuff home because they've got a stockpile of, of stuff, and he's going to look at whoever his first opponent is. He's looking at it right now. I, I can guarantee you. September 15th, he, Amherst. <laughs> he's, got, he's got Amherst yeah. video in his, his DVD in his house yeah. right now. He's got them all probably. And he's going to go back at least three years to look at what their trends have been. They're a wing T team. They're a this team. Right. The other thing I was going to say that I, I found when I went to Skowhegan, I don't know if I've told you the story, but the first year I went as the AD and the baseball coach. Mm. And the head football coach, who was Duke Albanese, who ended up being the commissioner of education, he's a Bowdoin guy, he uh, he only stayed one year. And, and before the season started, he gave me a call and he goes, I, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He goes, well, I thought so-and-so was going to be able to coach, but he, his wife got a job and they're, they're going to move as a family, so he can't coach. And he said, how about you want to coach? I said, well, as long as you don't mind having the AD looking over your shoulder, sure. Right. So I was an assistant one year, and then he left the last contract day. So finding somebody was almost out of the question. You know, they're under contract. And so I said to the board, I'll take it for a year, and then we can search and whatever. Well, we won two state championships, so they decided maybe they could Stay keep on, me. yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe you'll, be, you'll be serviceable. Yeah. But so I had to make a decision. There's what I call two major, at that time, two major – um, sets of language, you know. I call it a, and now you call it a, a corner. Yeah. Or everybody has different terms. Well, there's also different numbering systems. Well, there's the Michigan, what I call the Michigan main system. Mm. You start on the right hand side and you number them one. The hole is one through nine. Right. It's crazy. It's opposite. You would think they'd go the other way, like you read one through nine, but they didn't. It was the opposite. And then there's what I call the Springfield system. I'm sure it, it came from somewhere other than Springfield, but that's where I knew it was from. Mm-hmm. Where it's two, four, six, eight on one side and one, three, five, seven on the other, odd and even. Yeah, zero in the middle. Well, Duke and the coach before him used the Springfield system. I went to high school and college using the main system. Yeah. 
So I looked at our 80 kids on the varsity, not freshmen, no freshmen, 80 kids. Those are the big teams back in those days. Right. And I said, I didn't know if I was going to be there one year or forever. Yeah. It ended up being longer than one year, but I had to decide, am I going to teach those 80 kids plus the freshmen a brand new system and I'm gone in a year? Or am I going to let them use the system they're all accustomed to? So here I am. <laughs> calling plays. I have to almost close my eyes and go, let's see, now how would I call that in their system? You know, literally. Yeah. For instance, 939 pitch reach would be the way that I'd call one play. They would have called it uh, wing left, I formation. Uh, let's see, they numbered the back. 47 pitch. Totally, I mean, yeah. not even close. Same play. Right. And so I decided... I would I would let them use the old system and I would adjust. So you, you're gonna love this. We go scouting as a as a staff. Yeah. We go to watch somebody play and I'd have my recorder, audio recorder, and I'd I'd go into my my thing and say that nine thirty nine pitch reach and then turn it off and they go aren't you gonna draw it up, coach? And I go no, I got it. I, when I play it back and go nine thirty nine, I can draw that in my sleep. Right. But they're all going. What the hell play is that? Yeah. You know, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So he's going to face that. He, I'm sure because he knows he's going to be here more than a year, he's going to bring whatever terminology he's used to using. Well, also, of course, we're, uh, Bates was running the option for a number of sure. years. Almost everybody in college now is using and, some form of the spread. And they were using like an, an option offense, which was a little bit different for, from the rest of the NASCAC. Um, and obviously, uh, he's funny, Coach Hall does not want to talk about offense quite yet. He obviously wants to evaluate. And one interesting thing he said in the interview is obviously you know, he wants to evaluate the personnel. He doesn't want to like force anything down their throats or anything like that. So we'll definitely it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense they're running. He's a 3-4 guy on defense. So it uh, should, um, should be very interesting, definitely, this upcoming fall for Bates football. Sad news for Bates football. Uh, Webb Harrison uh, passed yeah. away unexpectedly, actually, from a heart attack. Um over the weekend, he had just actually attended his reunion. He started the men's lacrosse program at Bates, and he also was the head football coach and assistant track and field coach um, for a number of years there as well. And so he d- and you knew Webb a little bit, just right? a gentleman. He yeah. he was first class always, and uh, I really liked the guy. I would see him at uh, when we would have the main coaches association football clinic. Yeah, we usually would have it at Colby because it was more central and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would come and speak. All we had to do was say, hey, would you come and talk about defense, whatever we wanted. Right. And he'd say, sure. Yeah. And then they always said afterwards at the alumni house, they had a little social after the after the clinics were over. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd be there. And he would wander around, talk to people, and said, oh, I saw your kid play. And, you know, you got a great tackle. I mean, he, I mean, let's face it, he was doing some recruiting also. <laughs> but he was just being a nice guy. He, yeah. I, there's, there's so many of those guys sometimes that they – they're so much into what they're doing or whatever, they're not even slightly interested in what you're doing. He might say something like, hey, I noticed you, he said this to me when I was at Skowhegan, I had two great backs, and I said, I, I'm crazy to only play one of them, so I said, I'm going to run split backs. Run the veer, right. run dive, wide dive, an option or whatever. Yeah. He said, so how's the veer going for you? Is he, are you getting what you want out of those two backs? I mean, he knew. Yeah. Skowhegan, he knew what we were doing. I, I didn't have any kid that went to Bates, but I might have, I guess. But he was interested in what we were doing. Yeah. And I, I love that about a guy that, I mean, it's nice. He can Guys can be friendly, but he not only was friendly, he knew what we were doing. And I like that. That was 
That was pretty good. Yeah, definitely a tough loss. Uh, Webb made a big impact for yeah. a lot of alums at Bates. For, well, he coached everything. Yeah, lacrosse and football. And so, track and field. Yeah, some track and field work uh, as assistant and helped with the women's program for a few years when it was just getting started. Obviously, Carolyn Court, who was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame, really made that program go as a head coach for many years there do, as well. Do but. you know when NESCAC was actually formed? Well, that's a, it's a tricky question. So the NESCAC, as we know it, in terms of how, like, having standings and a postseason tournament was basically 99-2000. That's what I thought. Right? But, like, yep. the NESCAC, as a terminology, as an agreement between schools, uh, has been around since the 70s, early 70s. But, like, in terms of, like, a NESCAC tournament for stuff, uh, standings, uh, <laughs> uh, the archives go back to 99. Because <laughs> I was thinking that he was in some of those early years when they were – it was there, and he he jumped in. Because if, cause if Harriman's been here 20 years – well, yeah, Harriman's been there for the entire time. He said he time. coached from 60, what did he coach from? Uh, we'll pull that up here real quick. I know he's in the Marines. I read the article in the paper. Yeah, yeah, there was a good, um, we had a write-up on the Bates website, and the and local papers picked it up there as well. Yeah, he served in Vietnam. Um, there was a book written about his unit and yes. everything. So, um, I mean, he was, he started the lacrosse program in the 70s, led the football program from 78 to 91. Yeah. So, see, I think that those early Formative years, uh, you know, I had I know he had those two really good years, but I, I think he was in when they were just kind of getting it started, and I, I think he was one of the movers and shakers to – it seems like I remet, remember articles well, about – It probably would have been the lacrosse program yeah, him he started meeting, that program. Yeah, him meeting yeah. With, with people to get things going and in terms of keeping it going. And well, that because what thing. happened was after he retired from coaching, he still was – in the office of advancement yes. at Bates, he did retire in 1999, and then right after that is when the NESCAC, NESCAC was really formally, blossomed. Yeah. yeah, in terms of yeah. playoffs and so on and so forth. Because when you look at it regionally, it's a tough haul for Kobe Bates and Bowden. Sure, you know it's nice we play each other, but the rest of them, I mean, think about it. Middlebury. I mean, that's that's a haul. Williams isn't any better. They're both about four hours. Con yeah. College, I do that every weekend for four years. Two sports, <laughs> right. it's four hours. Right. I say, don't start the game early because I can't get here any quicker. <laughs> um, and then Trinity, same thing. It's in Connecticut. Wesleyan's in Connecticut. I mean, there's no Tufts, but even Tufts, uh, it's in Boston, but it's three hours. You know, it's there's no easy across the street games for sure. And then you have like and then they added Hamilton. <laughs> like that's an easy. That's the longest it's drive. It's a long drive. Hamilton's yeah, the that's, longest drive. <laughs> yeah. We went out there to play. Well, it's tougher for Hamilton because they have to. Oh, yeah, every they time they come. go on the road, yeah. it's a long drive, regardless. So. Yeah, you know, we forget that when you get a, a place like that, and I mean, that's one of the reasons I was frustrated and, and asked uh, the the new AD about Sunday games. You know, my daughter used to say, you know, they they re- most of those places rarely have many classes, if any, on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And so she said, so you leave on Friday, you stay overnight, you play a game on Saturday, and then you come home. You still have Sunday, two things, to get work done, classwork done, and or just veg and be with your friends and whatever. I mean, it is college life. It, yes. You, you know, I mean, you're out there to study, but you, you're not planning on studying 24-7. No, no. And so, <laughs> and Sunday's not exactly a party day. My, my daughter wasn't a huge party. Sunday uh, was a recovery day. Yeah, but yeah, and <laughs> and I think when you play Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, I, I think it's a, that's a tough, you know, expecting yeah. kids to do that on a regular basis. I think they did it twice this year, pretty much around the league. I think that's tough, and boy, if I was one of those ADs, I would be against that. Mm-hmm. I would be 
I would be stomping my feet yeah. about that. I just think, you know, let's not forget, they're college kids. Sunday's supposed to be a day of rest, right? Well, I mean, it, it ought to be. Seriously. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think the, a long time, the only time I, my daughter played once on a Sunday, and it was ice hockey, and it was because there had been something wrong with one of the other rinks, and they couldn't play, and it was they had to play it blah, 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 and they had to play on a Sunday. That's mm. it. All right. Well, real quick, we have three minutes. NBA draft. Boston Celtics right now, 27th pick. Right now, ESPN's latest mock draft, just published this morning, has them picking USC's DeAnthony Melton. He is 20 years old, point guard, shooting guard, 6'395 pounds. Uh, Marcus Smart hitting restricted free agency. Uh, so ESPN thinks the Celtics could pursue another guard option here. Melton appeared to be on the verge of a breakout season for the Trojans before the FBI's investigation <laughs> into recruiting shut him down indefinitely. <laughs> His basketball IQ, ability to guard multiple positions, toughness, and intangibles make him a prospect worth investing in. Do you think it'll be Melton or someone else? Do you think they'll trade again? What do you think? You, you know what I don't understand? I guess I'm going to go in a different direction what you were thinking. Uh-huh. I don't understand as a GM and or the coach or the owner – why don't they have free agency start Monday, this sometime this week, early, so that LeBron James or anybody else, any of those big names, have to declare, no, I'm I'm not re-signing. I'm going as a free agent. Oh, in terms of the Then when you draft, teams. you have yeah. some idea. They have no idea whether Marcus Smart. I mean, I know that he might not sign. You know, they know he's a free agent, but... Like, let's take a guy like LeBron, the biggest name in the game. He hasn't told them yet. He doesn't, well, doesn't have to tell them until Friday. It's a player's league, and so now LeBron can take oh. a look at who the Cavaliers draft. Oh, I, oh, say, I understand okay. that. I'm just saying yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do they let that happen? Isn't somebody else in charge of that? I mean, you can set the date on when the draft is. Right. Have the draft after 4th of July. I, You know, I know you want to get going, but yeah. they have summer league and all that stuff. But I, I was just saying that I, I know it's a player's league, but I – I'd be done if I owned or was a GM that I'd let the – I want to know, even though I know you you can't know whether Marcus Smart's going to re-sign because he's, he is a free agent. That's his right, and I have no problem with that. Well, they can match him, though. But I, they Yeah, they can, yeah. but he's restricted. But right. I think that the guys like LeBron, who are the guys, let's face it, they, don't, they still don't know. They're going to draft tonight for what? They, they don't know if he's going to be there. He doesn't have to tell them until July 1st. Yeah. And so July 1st, he suddenly says, I'm leaving. Now what? They, they haven't made any draft trades. They haven't moved any pieces. Now they're stuck. And they drafted, a guy, they drafted yeah. a guy that can't to play alongside LeBron. He's not here. Right. It's crazy. I, I think the whole system's crazy that way. <laughs> well, Manny and I, well, you haven't argued, but this whole thing about you can't build a team in the NBA quickly because if I trade LeBron, I got to get, Thirty-five million dollars back in in salaries. In other words, I got to have your roster. Thank you. You know, I mean, I got to have four guys yeah. unless they're making big money. If they want to get Kawhi Leonard, they got to trade back eighteen million dollars. That means all those young guys, they'd have to clean them all out. Maybe yeah. they got to go Horford, uh, Kyrie, or Hayward. Uh, they're not trading those three guys, are they? I don't think. I mean, they can go Jalen Brown. Rozier and maybe Marcus Morris, and it gets them close, and then a draft pick. Is that worth it? Yeah. I don't know. I Anyway, we've been talking about that. 
I, I said, Daddy, I can't believe you're not here today. This is your day. You, <laughs> well, he you, can break it down after. Oh, yeah. But he'd have, he'd have all the conspiracy theories sure in his he head would. by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matty B is back tomorrow. This has been the B-List Daily. He's Coach Dave Wing. I'm Aaron By Morse. the way, did we tell you why he's not here? His kid's getting an award. Congratulations. Is that great? That's Congratulations, Matty B. Absolutely. Matty back tomorrow, 10 to noon. B-List Daily, Sports Time 780, SportsTimeMain.com.